This podcast is hosted by RPP. The following episode contains coarse language, violent themes, sexual references, and the really creepy stuff. If you're underage, turn off your device. Normal people, Esther, don't just go straight to demonic infestation like we do. Because the government was also freaked out about the movies. They might be dealing with a demonic possession. Meanwhile, as she's on top of him, squeezing his throat, she's screaming, who sent him here? And they started to move towards her really fast. What are these? Australian aliens. Hi, everyone. Hi, guys. Hi, it's Gemma. And it's Esther. And this is I... Think my fridge is haunted. Season two, Woo! episode thirteen, and you know what that means? Season two it's our last is our episode. last for the season. We're going to be um, doing some more research, finding some more cool yep. stories, and yep. uh, planning for season three. Uh, Hell at- yeah! Hopefully, we will be back in the studio Hopefully, by then. Yeah, exactly. My God. Uh, because yeah. then, and also that means that we can actually go out, we can, we can have guests and we can, you know, go yeah. out on ghost tours and things like that. And yeah. because this season has really thrown us, we've been really limited as to what we can do. So anyway, here we are. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. We're going to have a really fun episode today. We've got an international caller. We've got oh an international God. caller. We've got actually loads to get through today. Um, yeah. I did just want to ask you, Esther, what is a drive through strip club? Oh, okay. So um, it's amazing. It There's, sounds amazing. I, <laughs> I follow this sex worker on Instagram and she's like, I have the biggest crush on her. Her name is Ali Stranger. Okay. We, we'll, uh, we'll have to. Ali Stanger, right? Ali Stanger. We'll have to I'll put her on. I'll post a photo of yeah, her. Yeah, we'll, we'll put her on our Instagram. Yeah, but she works at the Lucky Devil Lounge, which is in Ohio, and it is a really, really good strip club. Um, ben Kissel goes to it a lot from the last podcast. Oh, yeah? But they've got a drive-through strip club now where it's literally like, I'll post the photos, it's great. These big <laughs> platforms with poles and the, the girls are wearing the masks and gloves and they're pole dancing. <laughs> and then you drive your car through. What? Great. I have to see this. It's so good. I want to do it with a show. I want Can you imagine like a loop of performers just continually Is it continuously like, performing and people just driving through and Is it like, great. you know, the drive-through Thirsty Camels where you can drive through and yes. get your beer? Yes, 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 yes. It's That's basically it. like that with it's like a drive-through peep show type thing. Literally. Just it's like going to like a pole concert on either side of the car are just girls so how do they know? stop guys or, or women or whoever's driving through? How do they stop them from just stopping for ages? Like, do you have to go through it like maybe two k's an hour, and then, and then you have yeah. to pay to go through again? <laughs> maybe it's like you get like an allotted time. Like, okay, you can sit in here for the five minute song and then move along. And 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 I don't know. Put your tips in a box or something. Yeah, I wow. mean, I heard that I'm pretty sure the same strip club were doing food deliveries from the restaurant there. There's like a actual like 
restaurant section of the strip club and they were delivering food to their customers, but they'd be in like pasties and lingerie. (laughs) And they'd do it from a distance, but they'd do a little dance while they deliver the food and then get tips. So they're still trying to figure out like they're Well, yeah, it's like Meals on Heels where the drag queens uh, deliver your food and your groceries. So do they have a clever name? They, uh, I don't know what the girl, the strip club. Oh shit! No, it was Booba Eats or something. <laughs> it was something like that. I'm pretty sure it was like Booba Eats. That is the best. Booba Eats or something. That is yeah, yeah, the yeah. best. That's Booba right. Eats. Freaking hell! Eats. I love so it. Good. That has so made good. my day, and it's only yeah. eight o'clock in the morning. So my, I I just, it's uh, gonna be a good day. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Thank oh. you so much. All right, let's get into facts from the freezer because, like I said, we've got loads to get through. Can I do my my little news clip first? Oh my god! You have a news clip, rad! I love news. Yeah, clips. I found something crazy. Do you know what? I, just I keep saying we have to get through this stuff, but there is actually so much to talk about, isn't there? There's is so much, so much to talk about. Okay, this was made only like a few days ago, but dozens of bodies found in new halls near funeral home in Brooklyn. Police were called to the scene to in- investigate an overwhelming stench and discovered dozens of bodies stacked in unrefrigerated U-Haul trucks outside of a funeral home in Brooklyn, New York. What? The New York morgues ran out of space, a funeral home filled U-Haul truck with dozens of bodies affected by COVID-19. Okay. How how reliable is this source? COVID-19. Look, I can't promise how reliable it is, but there's images. The Washington Post. Oh, geez, that's pretty reliable. Yeah, um, the Washington Post. I know that Caitlin Doherty has been going through a lot of, um, as as the Queen say, going through the gigs, mm. trying to prove that COVID-19 is not creating some kind of a mass grave devastation oh, in the death industry, as people are claiming. Um, so just when I hear things like this, I just <clears> have to question them. Uh, but that is crazy. If it's if it's true, my God, how many bodies do they think are in there? I don't know, but like the the photos, there's about four U-Hauls out the front of the funeral home, and like holy cow, and they're big. Yeah, they're big, and um, like New York has been hit with up to what yes. seven hundred deaths a day. Yeah, so it, that, it's it bad. does make sense. It does make sense. Um, it does. Well, yeah, I mean, haven't they been using some something like what was that an ice rink? As a more yeah, or I think something so. like that. I mean, this is just stuff that I've heard. I don't know if it's true, mm. but it's just stuff that I've heard. But it does make sense to use something like an, an, an ice rink as a morgue. But if... Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me to use U-Hauls because you have to hire them, I'm pretty sure. Maybe. Uh, well, unless, unless it's, they're unless it's uh, provided by a government subsidy. <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty nasty. Like, I mean, they That have- is how you spread disease. It's sad. It's sad. I don't know enough about the funeral industry to know how um, bodies are usually transported. No. What, it, it, is it summer in New York at the moment? Uh, yeah, I think Or it coming is. into summer? It's warm in New York right now. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I mean, would it matter too much, like if it was snowing and it was freezing cold anyway, but, you know, in the well, summer? Well, I think it would, it would um, make a difference if it was snow. 
And yeah, compared to fucking body sitting in a and it gets quite truck, warm in the heat. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Disgusting. Let's keep our eye on yeah. that story. That's keep our, that's pretty crazy. And another one was our, we posted it on Instagram, but Nicholas John Criley has mm-hmm. been sentenced to life. Sentenced to life, which in which, Queensland, I believe. Yes. I looked it up. I believe he can apply for for parole after about fifteen years. Whether he gets it, yep. who knows? <clears throat> um, Look, I, I yeah. Uh, hopefully, it's non parole. But um, yeah. Do you think he'll appeal? And he had prior he had prior convictions. Um, I think he will because he's a narcissist. Because he's awful. I, th- I think he'll have excuses. Excuses. Yeah, I was I think surprised he will. to see how many priors he had, and he yes, was actually so was on I. parole when this crime occurred. Yeah, uh, he it's had. Really ang- did you read about the thing that happened in the McDonald's where he? Yeah, he so was he assaulting a girl and her boyfriend, and ended up it ended up like um, I think it was a food fight, and then he physically assaulted them. He flirted with the girl while her boyfriend was there and yep. said she was beautiful. And then I think she reacted naturally how you would, like, oh, fuck off. Yeah, yeah. And the boyfriend was there and then he, um, I think, threw food at her and then did something to her face or, like, grabbed her by the throat or he's a piece of shit. He, he was a problem he, is, waiting he's to happen. He's the scummiest piece of shit. He's disgusting. I hate his guts. Yep. He's awful. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he appeals. And, um, well, 15 years from now, we're all he's, – yeah, look, here's a problem. He, this guy shouldn't be allowed out anywhere. No. Look, hopefully in prison he gets absolutely pommeled. Like he, like he said, I pommeled her so hard she couldn't talk. He actually yep. said – there was a new quote saying something like, um, I've, I've – Beaten her so hard, I think she's had a stroke and she can't yeah, talk. I saw yeah. that, um, and I also saw when he when he rang triple zero. He yes. said, um, "Oh, my friend needs help. I'm not sure what yeah, to do." I found, this I is found my friend in this condition. Yeah, and then he's fled the scene for eight days. And then or they're forever. like, "What happened to her?" And that's when he started like, start, like stammering up and mm. actually like he couldn't improvise. Yeah, you know, because he's a dickhead. He escaped in her car. She has no money now, no car. Mm-hmm. She's living off government um, benefits, funds, and donations. She's on the like, verge of blindness. Uh, yeah, she she's having to go to and from um, hospital counseling, therapy, and hospital and court cases on public transport with a disfigured face. Mm-hmm. So this girl's really struggling. So I yep. hope this guy. I hope he gets ruined in prison. Fucking karma. Is there no yeah. way that she can get – could she sue for damages? I mean, not that this guy can yeah, pay anything substantial. Are, uh, victims of crime usually give, like, quite big settlements. Like, they'll – they'll like, I know they my, they flew my dad – they gave him an overseas holiday. Oh, wow. And paid for, like – all brand new dental and stuff when my nonna was murdered. Wow. Like they'll just, I think they'll just hand out money, but you have to go to court and apply for it. I don't know. I don't necessarily know like the the legal specifications, but yeah, I know you have to go to court and apply and be like, this is why, this is how I've been affected. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, fingers crossed for it. 
Fingers crossed yep. for it. Good luck, girl. Shall we do facts from facts the freezer? Facts from the freezer. A house cat is genetically 95.6% tiger. <laughs> Isn't that cool? <laughs> so fierce. Little tigers. <laughs> I tell my cats all the time, you're so fierce. Oh, you're yeah. So I fierce. got a big baby. You're so scary, little baby. <laughs> <laughs> I've got an animal one as well. Cam- camels have three eyelids and two rows of lashes to prevent sand from getting in their eyes. Ah, like third eyelid. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. And loads of lashes. So all they have to do is like kind yeah, of in a sand do. school, they just squint and they're good. Oh, that's so gross. I know. I it's weird, sand. isn't it? Sand in the eyes, sand in the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what I'm going to do is... First of all, I'm going to tell you a little bit of backstory and then I'm going to yeah. send you a, both a video that you're going to watch. Okay. It's only a couple of minutes mm-hmm. and then I'm going to get him on the phone. So I found out about a guy in the UK who has a private collection of strange artifacts that he calls, oh my God. That he calls the freak room. Now, his name is Michael Diamond, and he's apparently an alternative entertainer, say the articles. So, of course, I looked to see if we have any mutual friends online, and, of course, we had 21 mutual friends. What? Now, the particular item... With Michael Diamond? Yes, this guy. Who's that famous musician and his... Last name's Diamond. Is Neil? it Michael Diamond? No, that's Neil. Neil Diamond. <laughs> Sweet Caroline. Bum, I'm like, bum, mate, you've got fucking Neil Diamond on the phone? Get him on the blower. <laughs> 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 now, the particular item that I'm interested in is, and you won't be surprised whatsoever, it's an item called Mr. Fritz. Mr. Fritz is actually the head of of a ventriloquist doll. Oh, bitch. No. And it was Not. used to entertain prisoners of war in World War Two. No. No. It's a Nazi head. Uh, well, not really a Nazi head, but it was used in a Nazi camp. To be specific, Mr. Fritz was used during World War Two at a prisoner of war labour camp in Poland called Stalig 2B. Yep. And I hope I'm saying that correctly. <clears throat> now, uh, he was apparently there between 1943 and 1945. How do we know this? Well, it is said that a handwritten note came with the doll and explained no. its origins. Okay. At the POW camp, there uh, was hard labour and harsh conditions for the prisoners And there was a prisoner there, an American prisoner called Private Billy Booth. Now, back before he was uh, a prisoner of war, back before the war, he had been a children's entertainer. So what he did when he was a prisoner was he created the doll using German newspapers, potato starch, and some smuggled paint from a local farmer. So he basically paper macheed this doll that was a ventriloquist doll. Billy and Mr. Fritz kept spirits up within the camp with jokes and songs for about a year and a half. 
However, Billy and a group of nine other prisoners were made to dig a hole in January of 1945 uh, in a field. It was just two weeks before the camp was liberated and they were shot then and there. One of the other prisoners then took Mr Fritz back to Billy's family in the US as a legacy of his ability to boost morale during the harshest days imaginable. Now, I've got something that I want to read from the internet. This is from a website called danbaines.com and he was actually a wealth of information. So thank you, danbaines.com. It says... A well-known World War II dealer in, uh, like, a, a dealer of military artefacts in Liverpool approached Michael Diamond at a festival they were both working at over the summer. He had seen Michael's travelling exhibition of oddities and thought that Mr Fritz would fit in perfectly. Mr Fritz was discovered in an antiques mall in Myrtle Beach, USA, and once the dealer heard of the connection with a German POW camp he felt compelled to buy him and bring him to the UK. It was then that things started to happen. The dealer, who wishes to remain anonymous, first started to notice something strange when he put Mr Fritz on display in his showroom. He would lock up for the night and come back in the morning to discover that Mr Fritz's display case door was wide open, even after it had been firmly shut. Every night it would be shut, yet every morning it would be open again. Things then started to take a more uncanny turn. Mr Fritz would sometimes have his eyes open when they were normally closed. No. His mouth would also change position. No. Wait, pause. Yep. He's a paper mache doll. So does he have eyelids or? I'm sending you guys the photo. Okay, because I need to, like, if he's paper mache, how the fuck is You're his gonna, facial expression? This guy was real clever when he made him. You're going to flip. Okay. And I already am. I hate tra- ventriloquist. Ventriloquist. Oh, horrible. Horrible. <laughs> horrible. See, he makes Letta horrible. look very handsome, doesn't he? I, I actually feel physically ill looking at that. That made me really uncomfortable. I hate it. Okay. <laughs> Great. Are we gonna are we gonna speak to it face to face today too? <laughs> Maybe. Like, if we're lucky. Will we FaceTime? <laughs> just wait, just wait. So the dealer tried to think of obvious explanations such as humidity, a breeze, or even going as far to think that a mouse may have made a nest in his head. On closer inspection, he discovered it was neither of these things. Day after day the door continued to open, so he finally taped it shut. The following day, he returned to find the tape peeled back and the door open once more. He finally removed Mr. Fritz from the showroom and placed him in the garden shed where he stayed for another six months. His children then reported hearing laughter from the shed as they played in the garden and no one would dare go near it. Mr. Fritz had to go. Nope. So it was then that the dealer happened to meet Michael at this summer festival and knowing of his collection of oddities, he gifted Mr Fritz to Michael, who soon found out that Mr Fritz was more than just a doll. So now we're going to speak to Michael. And oh, my fucking God. 
if I can get him on the blower <laughs> successfully, now how do I add a person? Here we go. <laughs> Hello, oh. Michael. Hello. Hi. Your mummy said. Yes, yes. Sorry, Hello. we're a little bit late. Our um, our banter at the beginning of the show went for a little longer than we were supposed to. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I thought it wasn't working for some reason. No, no. It was a criminal here in Australia was sentenced this week um, that we spoke about last week, and we wanted to sort of go over yeah. that. So I've just given the girls a a background to Mr. Fritz. Okay. This ventriloquist doll's head. So how long mm-hmm. has he been in your collection? Um, I've only had him since July last year. Oh, wow. So he's really, wow, really okay. recent. And yeah. do, do you happen to know um, how many owners he's ever had? Uh, well, there's a bit of a, a gap which we can't trace. Okay. Um, wow. The guy that gave him to me is a, a military, antique military dealer. Right. Who I've known for a while, and I've had things off him in the past. I've bought things off him in the past. Okay. And he he bought it a few years ago when he was in uh, Myrtle Beach in the US. Is that in uh, California in, or Florida? Uh, uh, South Carolina, I think. Oh, okay. Oh, mm. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he was on holiday over there, and went you know busman's holiday. Went to the antiques mall. Saw it there and then saw that it was linked with World War II, which is his field of collecting. Yep. Mm. So he bought it and brought it back. Now, it had a note with it. And all we know is uh, we, we know the name of the person who made it and the circumstances around the guy who made it. And when the um, prisoner of war camp that that guy was in was liberated, that guy was actually killed in the um, prisoner of war camp. Mm-hmm. One of his comrades in the camp took the head only and brought mm. it back to the States and gave it to this guy's family as a sort of, you know, memento. Mm-hmm. From there to it ending up in the antique mall, we just don't know. Okay, interesting. And do mm. we can we presume that there was, at some point, there was an, a body to him? Oh, yeah, there will have been a body to him, yeah. Mm. Okay. Is it the type of and head probably that... a wig on him as well. Oh, Ooh. right. Wow, interesting. Yeah. So can we talk about the video, please? Because I have not shown yep. the girls the video yet. I will show them this afterwards. Basically, mm. from what I know, well, you you tell us the story behind the video. Okay. So when I when I had when I got Mister Fritz, um, he was given to me by the, my friend who's the military dealer, mm-hmm. and he didn't want him anymore. He just wanted red. Um, which is unusual for this guy because he normally sells his stuff um, for quite a lot of money, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. interesting. So that's, that's a bit weird. Yeah, interesting. But I, I, so I'd had Mr. Fritz in my room, which I call my freak room, with all the other things that I use <laughs> in my museum. And the first thing I noticed was, I and I don't go into that room every day anyway, mm-hmm. um, I'd go into the room and the door to the cabinet was open mm-hmm. and I'd be pretty sure that it was closed, you know, the last time I went in. Yeah. So I just started checking a bit more regularly. And maybe once or twice a week, I'd be absolutely sure that the cabinet door was closed. And it's a tight fit when it closes. Yeah. Um, I'd be pretty sure it'd be closed. I'd come in the next morning or a couple of days later and it would definitely be open. So that would happen once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then, 
as it sort of like, probably around about the beginning of September, I was noticing, I specifically went in every day to check on it. And it was definitely open every day when it was mm-hmm. definitely closed the night before. And that's happening every day. Um, and I've noticed that it had sort of like moved along maybe about six inches. It had moved along the um, tabletop, the cabinet that it's in. What? So, the glass um, case I've had? It for a friend of Hun. What, what had moved? The glass case? The actual cabinet had shifted along slightly. Oh, my God. Because I'm a bit OCD, I like things, you know, and I yep. like it to be perfectly in the middle of the cabinet, of the sideboard it was on. And wow. I like it to be exactly in the middle, and I knew that it was slightly out. Wow. So, and then the, the room's got no, there's no ventilation, mm. or there's no windows open or anything in there. So I know there's no draft or anything. Yep. And I'd noticed that um, also the position of the eyelids were different. No. I just noticed that they were dead, like what some nights it'd be open, they'd be open, some nights they'd be closed. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned it to a friend of mine um, who does like a paranormal blog in the UK. Yep. Mm. And he wanted to write it up and everything. And I said, um, it was him who suggested to me because I'm a bit of a technophobe, really. I'm not very good with technical things. That's why it's frightened the life out of me when you said you wanted to do a WhatsApp call. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so. He said, uh, well, why don't you put a camera on it and see? Mm. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He lent me his GoPro camera. And it was uh, over two nights in September. It was actually on my birthday the first night. Mm -hmm. I decided to set it up. So I just Mm -hmm. set it up for a couple of nights because I needed to get it back to my friend Dan. Um, And it was like the the day after the two nights that I reviewed the footage that I saw what I saw on the video. Wow. And funnily enough, it was around about the same time both nights. So I think it was about 3 a.m. the third no. night. No. Of course it and was. And then the next night it was about 3.20 a.m. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I don't, I don't want to say too much if you've not seen the video yet. I want you to... I'll show the girls. I've watched it a couple of times. I'll, I'll show the girls um, after, yeah. after I've spoken to you. Um, mm-hmm. did you have to go through the entire night's footage or, or, what, or did it show you when there was movement? Uh, no, I, 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 I like skimmed it. I just skimmed it. Um, okay, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the first thing I saw were like little, you know, orbs. No. That's interesting like, because I, on YouTube I've been looking at the comments that people have been writing on YouTube after seeing the video and a lot of people have mentioned little orbs. They're not your regular little orbs. They're the ones that kind of like fly through the air. So so what happened with the video after that? Did you just give it back to your friend who put it on the vlog on the blog or how did it get yeah, out? Yeah, that's right. And he, 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 he uh, then took the, uh, the GoPro back with the, with the footage and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote the blog and put it up there. And, w- and what is? Do you know the name of the website so we can shout it out? Yeah, it's a, it's a. Oh, I don't know what his blog is, um, oh. but he's a guy called Dan Bain. Oh, um, that's where I. Got, that's where I got the info. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. He, I know he did a. He did a paranormal podcast as well, sort of like about just weird things called the Mystic Menagerie. Okay. I know yeah. He cool. Did that as well. Oh, cool! Great. He must have been pretty excited when he saw the footage. 
Oh, yeah, you couldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> so how do your close friends feel about Mr. Fritz? Have many of them seen them? Seen him? Not really. I mean, a lot of my friends, because I work in, you know, sideshows and entertainment, oh. a lot of my friends are all over the country, really. Okay. So not many of them have actually seen him in the flesh. Mm. Okay. Uh, quite a lot of people have seen the YouTube videos and stuff, and, you know, they... Uh, some of them haven't really commented and some of them are like super freaked out. Is there, yeah. is there anyone that you live with that, you know, do, or do, do they sort of take or leave it or do they not like it or do they love it? Uh, uh, I'm a white hates it. Oh, <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Which is, that's why he ended up being chained up. What? He's chained up now? Yeah. So the cabinet, we, basically my wife... We, so she was okay with it when I first got it. She was okay with it. She thought, oh, yeah, well, that's a bit weird, but look at what else is in the house. Um, and she was fine with it until I showed her the footage and she went nuts. Okay. Oh, my God. Basically said, it's got to go. It's got to go. And I said, well, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. And she actually went and stayed in a hotel for a few nights. <gasps> and the only way I could persuade her to come back was by putting locks and chains on the cabinet and covering it with a blanket. Oh, wow. But he so is... That's how it is at the moment. He is treasure, yeah, though, isn't he? Up. He is a collector of um, oddities and especially yeah. sort of paranormal um, items. History. He is, he is, and history yeah. as well. He is treasure. Yeah, well, I mean, really, I mean, not... I've got loads of, like, really weird objects, but I've never had anything like this happen with anything before, and I've been collecting for 30 years plus, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Does he so scare you? Do you feel creepy no, around I, him? I'm wary of it. Yeah. I feel wary, but I'm not scared. I don't think it's malevolent. I don't think it's... Right. Interesting. Yeah. And do you get any Far feelings out. of any kind of a personality or um, an, uh, an awareness from Mr. Fritz? Yeah, I do. Um I, I think um, I feel it's uh, it's like mischievous. That's, wow. I don't feel it's evil or anything like that. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I wouldn't have it in the house if I really honestly thought it was going to harm. Yeah. yeah okay. okay. Saying yeah. that, I have only had it since last summer. <laughs> yeah. True. True. Um, and it was in the house over Halloween. Although I wasn't here, I was working away over Halloween. So, as um, you, someone in your profession but, does. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I was really oh. busy. Um, but no, I don't. I don't feel as any. I, I feel a bit of a late to it actually. And apparently, uh, I know that it, it had it had changed hands a lot. I know that. Mm-hmm. And I, I sort of like feel that he, he he wants to be settled. He wants to be in one place. Oh, yeah. that's so nice. I, I'm very reluctant to, to get, get rid, rid of it, it anyway. Oh, well, where is he now? He's in the freak room at the, the moment. Freak room. Yeah. So, have oh, you ever travelled with him, say in a car or on a plane or anything? And if so, do you ever feel um, trepidation, or do you ever feel worried that he'll do anything in while you're travelling? No, not really. I've only really—he's not actually ever been a part of my exhibition yet because he's still mm, quite pretty new. new. Yeah, he, he was filmed for a TV show in the UK. Um, when was that? Uh, beginning of December, I think it might have right. been. Right. It hasn't been shown on the UK yet, uh, but so I moved him to the TV studios in Manchester for that. Yep. Uh, I wasn't really 
worried about. I was worried about the glass case that he's in. Mm. The glass is very thin. And he's really, he's only made out of paper. So mm, yeah. he's quite fragile. Yeah. So I was worried about moving him around, but not that he might do anything or that I might like crash the van. Yeah. In there or something like that. Oh, he's lucky wow. to have you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am pretty anal with all my stuff, actually. It all has yeah. to be kept really, you know, well. I mean, yeah. some things I've paid a lot of money for over the years. So Sounds like he's found, yeah. found his forever home. <laughs> well, I hope so. I'm not sure what my kids will end up doing with him. But... No, that's the next thing. Mm. Um, wow. It, so that leads me on. I mean, I, I know you said he doesn't currently travel with your collection. Um, not yet. Can you tell me more about your collection and, and, and will he ever be available for the public to see? Yeah, I'd like him to be seen. Um, mm. I mean, just checking out the various views that he's had on various YouTube channels. I mean, he's been seen by over a million people. I've noticed um, in the past few... It was only a matter of weeks ago I found out about him. And I thought, oh, no. what's this? And um, yeah. then I noticed that it's just... It, over the past few weeks, it's becoming increasingly more popular. Yeah, well, I think when, when, when the video first went live, because, I mean, I know Dan had put his blog up and that had quite a lot of views. Mm. But then a news agency saw it and wanted to put the story out and take it further. Mm-hmm. Uh, Southwest News Service in the UK. Ah. So I said, well, that's fine. Yeah, they, and they interviewed me about it. Uh, and then it, when they put it out, that it just went global. It just went absolutely mental. Time to get um, Mr. Fritz an that, agent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's great, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, a couple of the comments have been like, oh, he's only done this so he'll get a movie deal. And like, oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Fingers um, crossed. <laughs> well, I mean, who knows? But he hasn't done anything exciting yet, like Annabelle. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do feel like, you know, he's got some sort of residual energy to him. There's something about him. I can't yeah. say what it is. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm quite sceptical on a lot of things, you know. Yeah. Um, mm. So... Yeah, so a lot of people have seen him, and I'd like him to, take, to get him out there at some point, but Great. I don't know how. Yeah, just very unsure. And what about your oddities that you do take uh, on tour or to exhibitions? Can you tell us about your collection as a whole? Yeah, well, if you if you can imagine a travelling Ripley, believe it or not. Oh, cool. Like Amazing. Sort of so I've got, like, Greek animals, like six-legged sheep and two-headed ducks and things like that. Yep. And um, torture equipment. Wow. particularly keen on beheading axes and swords. So I've got quite a few of those in different parts of the world. Right. Um, oh, my God. Um, you loan them out for exhibitions? Yeah, I tend to take them out myself. I've got my own, like, um, booth that they go out in. Okay. Um, if I'm doing an outdoor show. Is so it, that'll be there, like a mini museum. Is it true that you have a pair of Houdini's handcuffs? That's right, yeah. A set of wow. Derby handcuffs that um, Houdini used. That's really impressive. Mm. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Uh, oh. Have you ever travelled to Australia? No, I've never been to Australia. I've seen Home and Away. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to travel to you one day then. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's... I'm in Liverpool, so that's right in the centre of the UK, isn't it? Pretty much. Oh, you're in wow. Liverpool. 
Well, that's interesting because a couple of weeks ago we were talking about how that was the last place that anyone saw a Spring-Heeled Jack. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, my my dad used to, my dad's gone now, but my dad used to talk about Spring-Heeled Jack all the time. That's interesting because um, you said that. People leap over a house and. Yes. We said that um, he he only stopped because he got bad knees. Yeah. Oh, really? He had to retire. <laughs> Arthritis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Dr. Diablo is your stage name, is it? That's right, yeah. We'll have to check you out. If we ever tour the, U- the UK, uh, we're, we're, we're coming to find you. You can be you. our opening act. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Well, there's a load of paranormal spots in, uh, in Liverpool as well. It's, it's one of the most haunted cities. Wow. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, it's an old, old place, isn't it? But thank you so, so much for being on our show. You're we really appreciate it. And, thank you. Um, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. thanks for taking – That's okay. You'll have to for send take... the link when it goes live. Yeah, yeah I will. will. I absolutely will. Yeah. I absolutely will. Yeah. Say hello to Mr. Fritz Legend. for us. Yeah. I, I will. I'll have to pass his room when I go to bed. So I'll oh pop in and tuck him in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. All right, well, good morning anyway. Yeah, I'm good night. And good night to you. <laughs> okay. All right, take care, guys. Thanks a lot. See ya. Bye. Bye. Well, what did you think of that? That was such a cool little interview. I, I'm sorry, I, w- I was supposed to show you the video before I called you. No, him, that was but my I, fault because I, I was blabbering too much. No, 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 I just forgot. Why don't you guys just watch it and then phone me back later? I audibly went, You both look a little bit bewildered. I really, really wanted to see him in real life. Like, I wanted him to take the camera downstairs. Well, no, that's scary. Always leave them wanting more, I suppose. He's a true performer. That is horrible. (laughs) Yeah, that's the true art of burlesque. (laughs) Exactly. He knows. He knows. Horrible. Um, Very scary. Uh, I've got a strong stomach, but... Shit like that freaks me out. I love so, it. Um, I love it. Should we tell the listeners what happens in the in the video, just so they get a? Are you able to upload the video? Yeah, I'll upload it. I'll I don't know how it. to do that. I, I can do that, but basically, what happens in the video is he's got this uh, GoPro set directly at the the cabinet, and it's it's funny. I have two of those exact cabinets at home. And they are hard. The doors are really hard to open. I I collect a lot of like Japanese antiques, and I have two vintage geisha dolls with like human hair and real like kimono fabric. It's beautiful. Really, but those those doors are like clamped shut. Like I have the exact cabinet. So mm. to see, basically, the door at like three a.m. The door just opens. Yep. And then it it kind of moves again. That's that was like. I'm assuming that was on his birthday. And then the next night they've got the same GoPro in the same position and the door opens and there's lots of orbs and shit flying around. And then the doors 
all I could look at was the door opening. I didn't realize he's, he was doing shit in the cabinet, but they then do like a close up of his face mm-hmm. and you can see his eyes um, like fluttering. His eyes and- are blink, yeah, fluttering and his mouth is opening and closing, which is terrifying. I find it Horrible. creepy when the eyes open and then they kind of like close really slowly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his mouth is like opening and closing, mm-hmm. which is just. Mm. Really gross. Anyway, Mr. Fritz, everyone's new favourite haunted doll. Great. And a fucking World War II doll. Great. (laughs) Terrifying. Terrifying. Not cool. uh, How about uh, we listen to a story from you? All right, kids. Now, this story is really cool. Okay. Um, It's it's quite a long one, Mm -hmm. but... I first heard the story listening to Morbid Podcast. Okay. Yep. And it's kind of, I think it's a really fun, fun story. I'll let you guys decide what category it is. Okay. Because it's a bit, it's a bit weird. Sometimes you do get those <coughs> crossovers. You're not really sure where to put yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. But um, my sources today was Morbid the Podcast, The Cut and news.com.au. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's have a go, guys. So, set in Westfield, New Jersey in 2014, which at the point uh, this town was ranked as number 30 of America's safest towns, laid a stunning six-bedroom, four-bathroom colonial-styled home with heaps of fireplaces located on 657 Boulevard, which was in a very beautiful neighbourhood. This house was decades old, having been built in 1905. So um, it had, like, gorgeous high ceilings, beautiful veranda going right around the house. Mm, stunning. like just imagine. Stunning American home. Mm. Yeah. During 2014, the Broadus family purchased this house, having described it as a dream coming true. Wife Maria had was raised in Westfield, and her childhood home was only a few blocks from 657 Boulevard. Derek, the husband, had worked his way up through his job at an insurance company and saved enough to purchase the colonial home for $1.3 million. The family bought the house just after Derek had his 40th birthday and their three children were super excited to prepare one of the large fireplaces for Santa to come for Christmas. Three days after purchasing the house, um, the couple were doing some renovations so everything would be ready for when they officially moved in. Maria went out to the letterbox, not expecting much mail as they were new to the address, and amongst the, hand, amongst the bills, she found a white card-shaped envelope. On the face of the envelope, written in thick handwriting, uh, was written to the, the new owner. Inside, there was a typed note, and it read the following. Dear, dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, Allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. How did you end up here? Did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force within? 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I've been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. 
I see already that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it is supposed to be. Tsk, 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 bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. Hmm. More on the way. Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family or was it greed to bring me your children? Once they know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. What? The house, yeah. The house is crying <laughs> from all the pain it is going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed it calls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room, imagining a life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old and so did my father, but he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. Who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I'm in one. Look out many, any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll each day. Maybe I am one. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. The Watcher. <laughs> that is yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. So imagining, imagine getting that letter... Just before moving in into your dream home, it's unnerving. I just got these visions of like you know if it was someone someone's family, they're like oh their grandfather watched it and their father watched it and they watched it and it's like oh let's just choose a house and just watch it and tell the people in there that they're watching it. it's like yeah mm, let's I just saw you these I saw people. you got uh, light milk today you normally get full cream hmm. literally literally <laughs> <laughs> someone's going to be constipated tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling bloated. (laughs) You will be tomorrow. So Maria went to the police station where they were advised to not mention anything to the neighbours as they were all now suspects. The family spent the following weeks on high alert. Derek cancelled the work trip and whenever Maria took the kids to the new house, she would yell their names if they roamed into a corner of the yard. When Derek gave a tour of the renovation to some neighbours, he froze when the wife said, It'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood. Uh, the general, yeah, it's very um, what's that that English movie? The guy that does Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, yeah the guy that the you know like um for the greater good. I can't remember the name. It's funny. The greater good. Anyway, oh yeah, <laughs> the one where he's the cop in Wells. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hot it's fuzz, very faulty. Hot fuzz. <laughs> yeah. The general contractor arrived one morning to find that a large sign he'd hammered into the front yard had been ripped out overnight. Two weeks after the first welcome letter arrived, Maria visited the house to look at some paint samples and check the mail. She soon discovered the thick lettering on a card-shaped envelope and called the police. Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy and I've been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time they will. I am pleased to know your names now and the name of your young blood. You have brought to me. 
You certainly say their names often. The letter asks about one child in particular whom the writer had seen using an easel inside an enclosed porch. Is she the artist in the family? 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all of the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement? Or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic or will they all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher and have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, brightest family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what bought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has bought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. So this is only six years ago, right? Yeah. I mean, I wonder how difficult it would be for police to trace these letters. Well, we'll find out it soon, but there's hardly any fingerprints on the letters. They're hand-typed. Hand-typed. Yeah, and the sender is in the in the real close proximity, like it it was processed through their local um, post office. Yeah. Right. So like you, they started suspecting obviously that it was someone living on the street and this street was super well off, wealthy line of houses. Like, But the way that they talk <clears throat> makes it sound like they're almost jealous or. Completely. It's full of anger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of speculation that it was people that had missed out on the sale of the house or someone who was jealous, but we find out soon that um, there weren't many people wanting to purchase the house and the other the other two people who had made offers ended up buying other properties, so they weren't, like, insistent on in having this house, you know what I mean? How weird. Yeah. <clears throat> So the couple began to speculate if the watcher was someone who was upset over losing the sale of the house. They also believed it was someone in the neighbourhood, seeing as though they could keep an eye on the contractors and the children coming and going. The letters did indicate that they were sent from close by. They had been processed in Kearney, the US Postal Service's distribution centre in northern New Jersey. The first was postmarked June 4th, but the sale of the house was public. The previous owners had never put up a sign, a sale sign, and only a day after the contractors arrived. The renovations were mostly interior and people who lived nearby say they didn't notice an unusual commotion, even from the loud drilling in the basement. Hmm. When Derek and Maria walked a detective around the exterior of the house, they showed him that the easel on the porch was hidden from the street by trees. 
making it difficult to see unless someone was behind the house or right next door to it. Or had cameras mm. like installed. Yeah, potentially, actually. A few days after the first letter, Maria and Derek went into the neighbors went to a neighbor's barbecue across the street, welcoming them and another new homeowner to the block. The family hadn't told anyone about the watcher, as the police had told them, and found themselves ex- found themselves examining the party for clues while keeping an eye on the kids, who hmm. ran through a crowd of neighbors that made up most of the suspect pool. At one point, Derek was chatting with John Schmidt who lived two doors down, when John told him about the Langfords, who lived between them. Peggy Langford was in her 90s, and several of her adult children, all in their 60s, still lived with her. The family was a bit odd, John said, but harmless. He described one of the younger Langfords, Michael, who didn't work and had a beard like Ernest Hemingway, as kind of a Boo Radley character. Derek was convinced they had found the watcher as the Langford house was right next door and had a view of the kids' easels. The Langfords had lived on the street since the 1960s when the watcher's father had begun observing 657 Boulevard. Richard Langford, the family's patriarch, had died 12 years earlier and the current watcher claimed to have been on the job for the better part of two decades. Hmm. When the family told the detective about the Langfords, he said he already knew and a week after the first letter arrived, he brought Michael Langford to the police headquarters for an interview. Michael denied knowing anything about the letters. There wasn't much hard evidence, and after a few weeks, the police chief told the family that, short of an admission, there wasn't much the department could do. Frustrated, the family began their own investigation. Derek became obsessed. He set up webcams around the property and spent nights crouched in the dark watching to see if anyone was watching the house at close range. A private (laughs) investigator. Yeah, you would though. Yeah. A private investigator was employed who staked out the neighborhood. They also did a background check on the Langfords but didn't find anything suspicious. Derek reached out to a former FBI agent who served as the inspiration for Clarice Stutt. Darling in the Silence of the Lambs. They were on a high school board of trustees together, and they also hired Robert Leanhan, another former FBI agent who conducted a threat assessment. Leanhan recognized several old-fashioned ticks in the letters that pointed to an older writer. The envelope was addressed to M/M Braddis. The salutations included the day's weather, warm and humid, sunny and cool for a summer day and the sentences had double spaces between them. The letters had a certain literacy flamboyance, which suggested a vicarious reader and a surprising lack of profanity, given the level of anger, which Leanhan thought meant a less macho writer. Maybe, he wondered, the Watcher had seen The Watcher starring Keanu Reeves as a serial killer who stalks the detective trying to catch him. Leanhan didn't think the Watcher was likely to act on the threat, but the letters had enough typos and errors to imply a certain erraticism. The first letter was dated Tuesday, June 4th, but that day was a Wednesday. Hmm. There was also a seething anger directed at the wealthy in particular. But the focus remained on the Langfords. In cooperation with Westfield Police, the family sent a letter to the Langfords announcing plans to tear down the house, hoping to prompt a response. It did nothing. 
Police interviewed Michael again, as well as his sister, but they insisted they were innocent. Derek and Maria started having frequent nightmares about the Watcher, and they became extremely paranoid. The private investigator found two child sex offenders within a few blocks. Bill Woodward, the house painter, had also noticed something strange. The couple behind 657 Boulevard kept a pair of lawn chairs strangely close to 567. Hmm. Quote, one day I was looking out the window and I saw this older guy sitting in one of the chairs. He wasn't facing his house. He was facing the Broaddus's, which is a bit weird. That's weird. But by the end of 2014, the investigation had stalled. The watcher had left no digital trail, no fingerprints, and no way to place someone at the scene of the crime that could have been hatched from pretty much any mailbox in northern New Jersey. The letters could be read closely for possible clues or dismissed as the nonsensical ramblings of a sociopath. The police soon told them they had run out of options, and Derek even showed the letters to his priest, who decided to bless the house. After a few months, the renovations were complete, but the family was so anxious and paranoid, they delayed moving in. They received another letter. So they're this... this, They've got this level of anxiety even before moving into the house. Completely. Wow. Completely. I mean, I think anyone would. It would be horrible, you know. Um, 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend and now it is my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop Stop changing it and let it alone. After six months, they decided to put the house back on the market, but this time selling it for a higher price due to the renovations they had just completed. Well, at least but due to that. The na- yeah. Resale value. Exactly. That's it. Gemma's, Gemma's back. In my favorite phrase. <laughs> <laughs> but due to neighborhood gossip, not many people showed interest. Damn it. Bids came in. Well, yeah. I mean, bloody hell, mate. I thought that they were trying to keep it secret. They must have slipped up. I and... think it was getting out. Yeah. Because they were, they were hardly there. Mm. They didn't live in there. Bids came in well below the asking price, and the family agreed to show the letters to offers that were accepted. They also sued the previous owners for withholding the first letter. The house was destroying their lives. But the previous owners, the Woods, received the Woods a letter. Oh, they only yeah. got one? They got one and it was like two days before moving out of the whole house. And it was like, what? thank you for looking after the house from the watcher. Wow. It, it, was, so, it was weird, but it wasn't threatening. So, so it seems that the watcher only takes offense when you change the house. Yeah, well, that's, that's what we all think. I mean, the wood left it to its original. As was, yeah. State, you know, and these people came in and started renovating. Yeah. But, you know, I don't blame 
the watcher for being upset about that, but they just handled it really badly. At the you same know? time, like, there's though, nothing there's... worse than seeing a heritage listed home being modernized. I think uh... unless they do it in a in a you know a a elegant way, you know, unless they respect the architecture of the building, you know. I think there's only there's so really much you cool can do. Exactly. To, like yeah. you can only get permission to do so much to heritage listed buildings anyway. So Well, I don't know if it's different in America. Mm-hmm. I mean and I, I know it's here, but I don't know what the deal is in America because there's so many old homes. Hmm. So they sued um, the woods. Yeah, they tried suing the woods but it didn't go through. Hmm. Eventually, this story found its way to the media and became super famous with people trying to solve who, was, who the watcher was via Google Maps, Reddit, as well as even suggesting using a ground-penetrating radar to find whatever was claimed to be inside the walls. Huh. D- DNA testing was done again after the story became big, and to everyone's surprise, the DNA was found to be that of a woman. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Eventually, after many issues, they found a family who wanted to rent the house, and this family had adult children as well as two large dogs. Not long after, another letter arrived. Violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wrench of a wife, Maria. (laughs) You wonder who the watcher is. Turn around, idiot. Maybe you even spoke to me one of the so-called neighbours who had no idea who the watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. I watched as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars were wonderful inventions. 657 Boulevard surprised, survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission, and I saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the Watcher. <laughs> Maria and Derek avoid the house completely now, and it, it resold in 2019, which oh, is a big surprise. But, yeah, they had petitioned to have it um, teared down. They, were, they went to the local council, and they were trying to um, tear it down and put two new houses on the block, but everyone in the neighbourhood um, rallied against, against that. Right. Yeah, and it wasn't approved. Mm. But, um, yeah, that's the story of The Watcher. Wow. Really, so no one knows who The Watcher is. No, um, They haven't received any letters since. Um, but, yeah, sold last year. It's really weird. <clears throat> so do you think maybe the next generation, the, the, the Watcher is going to be like, right, granddaughter or grandson, you now have to full-time watch this house and send them creepy letters. And do you think they're going to be like, uh, what? Look, no. I don't know. It could be <laughs> could be some dickhead who never had a dad watching the house. It could be some, like like mm. they said, a sociopath who's just fucking around. Yeah, true. You know, like, who knows? Because wow. they tried digging into the history of the house and um, they suspected it was like a housekeeper's kid or because he oh, was yeah. saying that he was running around the yeah. house when that was my question you know, it said that i as a young kid i would run from room to room or yeah. something so well how pretending to work? be one of the wealthy occupants right so, yeah that makes sense that could be yeah 
they were trying to, there's, nobody really knows, but I'm pretty sure um, a, there was a movie made after it, and um, which the family tried to sue them mm. because it was, they didn't have their permission or something. And hmm. yeah, but it, it's really, it's really effed up if you actually like look into the letters and I don't know. I just think it's a really cool story. It is. I love it. It's crazy. It's creepy. Um, the Watcher. And yep. it's, um, it's, it's just weird to think that someone has that much time. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> to, to I wish I had that else. much time to harass my neighbours. <laughs> um, I usually just play Tenacious D really loud at like 3 a.m. while I'm sitting in the bar. That's the most I'll do. Well, thank you so much for that oh story. God. That was that was a really thank you good, for yours. weird and story. And thank you, everyone, for listening. How would you credit, categorize that story anyway? I don't know. I think um, crime, mystery. Stalker? Could be paranormal. Yeah, stalker. Stalker story? Yeah, stalker. Let's, put stalker. It under, let's categorize it under stalker. Category is stalker. <laughs> stalker extravaganza. Stalker extravaganza. <laughs> name for the, that's the name of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, love it. Uh, anyway, thank you everyone so much for supporting us for yet one other, um, for yet another season. Uh, yeah. Season two is now done. I can't believe it. Um, I know, just, right? I can't Jeez. believe. What's 13 plus 13? 26 plus we've done uh, Penny Wait, Dreadful. Wait, 13 plus 13, 26? Yes. Jeez, I suck at math. Yeah, well, we've done 26 episodes. That's plus not. we've done a few Ice Cubes. Ice Cubes, and we've got our new spin-off podcast, which will still be coming out. So, guys, listen to that. Yep. If you miss our voices. Yes. My mum said um, that her fellow work colleagues listen to this podcast. Really? And Yeah, so, like, (laughs) psychologists and psych nurses. No, no, stop, really? And mum is so embarrassed by the amount of swearing I do. So apologies (laughs) and shout-out to Frankston ITT team. Um, We could put out – we could put out every week the sanitised version, the censored version, plus – Oh, yeah. It it would go for five minutes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It would just be the intro and the outro. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Well, until next season, I guess we'll be back in a month or so. We'll let you know. Yeah, hopefully um, all this bullshit's done. Yeah, yeah. Keep up to date with what we're doing on our Instagram page. That's where we're the most active. Um, yes. I think my fridge is haunted on Instagram. If you want to uh, email us a scary story, it's hauntedfridges at gmail.com. And, yeah. Keep in contact. Yeah, if you're bored and you just want to chat, send us a message. All right, guys. Anyway, guys. Until next month, be creepy. But don't be a creep. Boom. Ah! Oh, my God. Ah, happy. You good? Cat. Oh, no. Cat. Wait. Okay, here we go.
Oh, talking about camels, my fact that I just remembered that I was going to use today, but instead I used the cat one. Rats can go longer without water than camels. Really? Did you know that? Being a rat girl? Yeah. Okay. Not interesting. Now, ha- okay, look. <laughs> rats, R-A-T-S, not cats. Um, just being a rat mum. Um, yeah. I, rats are actually very dramatic creatures. Anything over about twenty-two degrees, they're they're so dramatic. They they will lay around. They'll be like, oh, oh. oh my god, I'm so hot. I have to drink so much water. Oh. Like they, if they don't have water, and the, rats drink a lot of water. If they don't have water, yeah. they are so dramatic. So uh, next time they do that, like if they're like, oh, I've only got like, a centimeter mate. of water, I'd be like, I know for a fact. I know, and guess where I got this fact. From S from Auntie Esther. <laughs> no, I, I well Auntie Esther got it from Libra Pads. What? <laughs> Do they have like facts from in, now like, on. inside the label or something? Oh my god, full of facts. Like sometimes full you get facts. like orange juices and underneath the cap there's like a fact. Yeah, no, no, no. They <laughs> You know that that piece of paper that is stuck to the pad that, lo- that you peel off it has like a whole yeah it has like a whole script of facts yeah, well, that's what i'm gonna get my facts from yeah, now on just put them in like a a bucket there's your facts mm. pull out a fact they could yeah. sponsor us oh my god liberal pads come at us <laughs> even though i'm a i'm a diva cup girl <laughs> 